HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. Since 2009, HRN podcasts have been exploring the wide world of food, beverage, and agriculture. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's, the pizza restaurant, is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. And of course, there's the two Michelin-starred Blanca tucked away in the garden for truly daring diners. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Welcome to HRN on Tour at South by Southwest 2023. I am Christine Sykes-Lowe, and today I am joined by Jennifer Bushman. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Jennifer is the co-founder of Fed by Blue Foundation, and I, I would love for you to go into a little bit about what Fed by Blue is and your role and um, basically your background in general. So Fed by Blue is an organization that's creating both content production as well as an impact campaign around the importance of blue foods. And we're not talking about blueberries. It's actually those foods that come from water both marine-based water, the ocean, as well as fresh water, that are the vegetables, the algaes, the plants, as well as the fish and seafood that over 3 billion people on the planet rely on as their only source of nutrition every day. My background was um, as, as a culinary person, in the, I always say re- recovering culinary teacher, cookbook author, television personality. I had... Um, 
all of the all of the culinary world, you know, kind of things that I was doing. I had a cooking school and was out on tour for my third cookbook. And a group came to me and said, we're going to bring to market what we think will be the most sustainably raised fish on the planet. And we think you're the one to help us do that. That was 15 years ago. And as soon as I met this group and and understand that, you know, we have been sort of had this consumptive entitlement to wild stocks in our ocean in modern times. And the ocean is 90% fished out, either fish to or over capacity. And it, and coming from a family of ranchers, I came from um, a third generation family ranch in Colorado. It was sort of like, how is it that we don't think of farmed seafood, seaweeds, things like that, as good as what is wild. And that really began my journey. So Jennifer, you are here at Houston Tillotson University as part of All Things Food. So tell us your involvement in that. It's such a fascinating journey because I I don't really understand why blue foods have not been part of these greater food conversations, but I had the honor of meeting the founders of Food Tank last year after we announced our our work. The docu-series was in production and we were starting the work on our impact campaign. And all of these light bulbs came on for them as well. And together, we started in tandem trying to bring it in and engage it as part of this food, food tank's mission, that we were really walking hand in hand as we looked at how the importance of this food system. So it's really an honor to be here. This is the sixth year that Fed by Blue has been or brought blue food to South By after applying for six years before that if you can imagine. And, you know, there's, it's very difficult to get on the docket, let alone have a, a subject that is really like a first date, I call it, right, where people haven't heard about it. So it's really an honor to be here with Food Tank and part of more of this broader food systems conversation after this journey that we've been making to really bring it to this stage individually. Obviously, we're stronger together. Absolutely. Um, In the programming itself, you had a hand in some of the crafting, some of the guests. And can you talk a little bit about who's going to be here this week? Well, we're really excited. We've got, not only do we have some food systems thinkers that are like doing investment on the water and in companies that are best in class, the little tin seafood that you love and the oysters that you love. I mean, there, we have a lot of like the makers here. So you can know your farmer just as people do when they go to the farmer's market, right? But you don't think about that when it's a farmer on water. So that's a very important thing is creating that connection in a way that we feel um, aligned and comfortable and in a system that we know, you know, that we have trust in. So we're going to have some of the makers. We also have some of the investors, um, Builders Initiative and Builders Vision, which is part of Lucas Walton's family office. They're speaking. We've got those that are talking about blue food as medicine because we know that blue foods, when you eat more fish and seafood, duh, you eat more seaweed, it's actually, the, it's been proven that they are the most nutritious foods on the planet. And then we're really excited because we have a docu-series that's coming out next year. We've been filming all over the world. The executive producers are Andrew Zimmerin, the great um, producer, writer, food advocate, Andrew Zimmerin, as well as David E. Kelly, who you'll know from series work, L.A. Law, Boston Legal, Lots of people like to say, well, and Michelle Pfeiffer's husband right. <laughs> that has that actually has been involved in Blue Foods for over a decade and is very active as a matter of
matter of fact, in aquaculture. So we're excited to premiere the series and be able to show people a little clip of what we're filming now. Can we talk a little bit about uh, carbon footprint and policy and how all these things are interchanged with your advocacy and your process with that? So there, there, it's, that is a very complicated question when it comes imagine, to our waters. I imagine, yes. What we say at Fed by Blue is that we have to align water protection with water production because it is 71% of the planet. And people already are in, in places like Senegal and off of the coast of Africa. They're relying on those wild food resources out of their waters as, again, their only source of food. So when we look at advocacy and policy around it, it is layered and varied. In the United States, we import the majority of our fish and seafood, but we have one of the lowest per capita rates of blue food consumption in the world. So when you think about it being so nutritious, but if it's imported, it's expensive, there's never going to be access in vulnerable communities to this very nutritious food. And we can't fight nutritional injustice without it. So from an advocacy and policy perspective, what we've done is aligned on our board with the most important NGOs involved in the space. So on our board at Fed by Blue, we have the, the endorsement and the support of the World Wildlife Fund. We have the Nature Conservancy, the Environmental Defense Fund, Oceans 2050, um, Alexandre Cousteau's group that's working on studies around carbon sequestration in seaweed farms. We also have what's called the Blue Food Assessment, which everyone should know about. That is a group um, out of Stanford and the University of Stockholm that are the scientists that are now putting all of the research and background and also showing the vulnerabilities of building a blue food system. The FAO has said that blue foods, foods from water, are the most important food as we get to that growing population we always hear by 2050. And so we have to rely on our waters and how we'll get there. In terms of carbon footprint, because there are very low inputs, even on a fish farm, you know, an oyster, you don't feed an oyster. Right. It's regenerative. It filters 52% of the water that goes through it. So not only is it regenerative and provides a significant amount of protein, but it also cleans the water, lowers acidity levels, and actually can lower temperature. And that's what I've also seen is like between oysters and kelp and seaweed, you're seeing that a lot on just, you know, obviously uh, a large majority of the world, de world depends on these type of foods to sustain their diets, but also just the nutrient-rich, uh, dense factor of these foods and, and seeing them more readily available. How quickly they grow. Right. Um, but one of the issues, I mean, you could do, a kelp grows a foot a week. But one of the big issues is about coastal landowners, property owners that don't want to look at a farm off of their beautiful, the coastline of their beautiful home. So you're, you really have to have a shift in what we do at Fed by Blue, which is starting on the ground with a communication strategy so that you would consider yourself lucky to have a seaweed farm off of your coast. And because you have the privilege of having a beautiful home on the coastline, you have the privilege of then producing food, but probably by the way, also helping protect the oceans, rebuilding ecosystems, fish come into those ecosystems. And it is what we call a multi-tropic system. It's not just seaweed, it's not just bivalves, it's also finfish, and just as we can farm a chicken well and we can farm a chicken badly, we can do that as well. What I would say is that's not enough. We will continue to eat wild stocks of fish, but in my ideal world, they're going to come off of a, you know, the outskirts of a marine protected area where the fishery is now thriving, 
and that and because of the fact that we've learned like Yellowstone National Park to protect certain areas of the waters so that they can become more abundant for communities where their fish and seafood stays in their community and is not used for export in order to be able to feed them. So it's that's coming. There's a lot of policy around that. There's a great bill on the floor, bipartisan bill with EDF called the Seafood Act to be able to help increase aquaculture in the U.S. So these are these are all things that our partners are working on that then we hope to amplify support for, right, through things like our docu-series. We have to show that there's hope in the water. That's the title of our series. You have to know that you can do good work on the water and that you can align that protection with production. And you are having a special sneak peek of hope in the water today. Yeah. Uh, can you give us a little bit more detail about the process that went into this? Yeah, I mean, Andrew, so Andrew and I started having this conversation almost a decade ago. I sent him a farmed salmon. And, you know, normally people don't make an introduction like, hi and hello, will you Here's try fish. this fish? Yeah. <laughs> And it was delicious. And it really was the groundbreaking moment for NGOs like Seafood Watch from Monterey Bay Aquarium. It was before the Aquaculture Stewardship Council had been founded through, you know, obviously the support of World Wildlife Fund. So um, there were things that we knew had to happen. And part of it was creating a new dialogue around things like that, that you could do it right. And I think that when we look at what we wanted to do through that conversation, it was began with, why is it everybody always talks about wild is better than farmed? So it really began as like this responsible aquaculture relationship with Andrew. And then it evolved into, why is it that we're sitting in all of these conferences like this and we're only talking about plant-based foods, cultivated meats, you know, moving all of our food production to land when we're pretty much using all of the land mass to be able to, that is available for food production. Um, food waste is a piece of that, obviously. We can make those systems more efficient, but how is it that the water always gets left out of the conversation? And so out of that came a, dis a development, two partners that I brought on, two other women, to develop the series, and then when it was ready, take it to David E. Kelly, who had never done an unscripted series before, and say, would you then be a co-pro with us on this? And that was two years ago, and we've been raising money and putting money between impact and filming the series. So we filmed in six locations. We go into, and all over the world, but we go into full production in April, and then the series, this four-part series, will it will be on a network near you in um, April of 2024. And there'll be a compendium cookbook called Hope in the Water, written by Andrew Zimmerman and, and Barton Seaver, who's a renowned Nat Geo explorer, chef. Fantastic. So when can the public uh, know when they can access something like this? So I, I mean, if, if all goes on track, again, this will be accessible, not with a paywall, on a major network um, in April Q2 of next year. Fantastic. So, and there will be because it has celebrities and, and we, we did a call for stories. It's kind of an amazing story. We took all those NGOs and all those working on the water and those of us, like my partners and I, that know a lot of those stories. You know, young women on Lake Victoria, one woman had her whole family of women had been selling fish. Fishermen go out, they come back, they have the fish. They were the ones that would sell it in the market. But they not only wanted payment, they wanted sex for fish. And these women 
were like, you know, we're basically done prostituting ourselves for the fish, and they started farming tilapia. And then another young woman figured out that the most expensive thing is the feed model. And she developed a local insect larva feed model that would feed those tilapia. And now they're selling and creating their own economy in their own markets in Kenya. That's one of the stories. So we heard about them through what we called a casting call. And so the casting call was, you know, almost a thousand different fishers, farmers, NGOs, those that were, you know, working on marine protected areas that related to blue foods sending us their stories, intuitive content, Andrew's production company, interviewing everybody, figuring out what stories were the best ones to tell, very dynamic and most of which had never been told, and then drilling that down to 12. And we've been in six locations, and we call that kind of the B stories, which is Brian Peter Falk, who's done documentary work with Robert Redford, Harry Belafonte, and a number of others. UN work is the showrunner. He ran, um, he won the Emmy Award for What's Eating America, Andrew's series on MSNBC. And, um, and he'll be here presenting these clips and showing where we are in production, how we got to those stories. Can you talk about any of those locations where they are? Oh, my gosh. So today we're going to show, I love this story. So there's a story called Fishadelphia. There's a group called Fishadelphia in Philadelphia. And it was a young lesbian woman, master's student, who decided that and came from a vulnerable Asian community in Philadelphia with no access to, to fish and seafood. And decided that she would, in her master's thesis, apply for a grant where she would not only start to work with the fishermen to bring off species to these communities, but part of that grant was to work with high school students. The high school students were at a charter school, and the grant was to get them to go and meet the fishermen, get these species that were very popular in these communities, Asian, black, brown communities, but aren't necessarily liked by the white people. They went out, they learn about it on the boat, the fishermen bring it in, things like tile fish that are very popular in the black community to cook, would bring it back, and then here's what would happen. They would process it, learn how to fillet it, gill, gut it, the whole thing. They then put it in insulated coolers or their backpacks on like a CSA where people would come and pick it up or they would deliver it to the buildings. So think the old milk, the little milk cartons that would be out, milk bottles outside of your doorstep. They leave the fish. And then they film TikTok videos for the kids so they learn how to cook it. I love We're this. We're telling the Philadelphia story today. It's multi-generational. Multi-generational, but she says, listen, most of America now is not white, traditional, you know, Americans. They are a laddered, cultural, colored community that loves these kinds of fish. These are not throwaway fish, and they deserve access to these. So by building programs like this, by building a palette for kids to have this fish, you're rebuilding a fish and seafood community in the United States. Because the reality is we can't talk about more aquaculture or diversity in the fish and seafood industry without starting kids on fish, seafood, seaweed, and them knowing that they want to be a water farmer when they grow up or a scientist that works on the water to help with these things. So it really begins with programs like she's done. You're starting a completely new cycle. It's the genesis of a completely new cycle. That's right. It's fantastic. And we want, and remember, David E. Kelly, I mean, all of us were riveted to Big Little Lies on the edge of our chairs. Like, he knows about character-driven storytelling, mm -hmm. and his role is to make sure that we're not just doing a doc thing, 
that we are telling, letting the characters tell the story. And you'll see that today. So where we have celebrities, it's celebrities that are on the water doing the work that are amplifying and bringing their followers and fans to this. But it's those working on the water that are the compelling stories we're telling through their voice. So if you could look at the next projection for five years, of, I mean, what you have going on with this uh, documentary series, um, some of your advocacy work, your policy, what else do you see on the horizon? Well, I mean, we feel really lucky that because we not only have do we understand the background and the idea is you don't want to you don't want to increase blue food consumption. You have to do it responsibly because we all we're listen as humans. If the popcorn's in the middle of the table, you never have one piece of popcorn. You eat the whole bowl. I mean, let's face it. And we've done that with our blue food system. So if we don't teach people, not only is it important, but we have to do it in the right way. So you're going to see things like a tool that um, is not just a, a tool that is, here's how to learn about fish and seafood and where to get it. We're going to gamify it. So people feel like like the Starbucks app, where they want to use it. They're getting points. The points create an avatar that then goes to being able to put your dollars where your values are by the, the way you play. So you're learning. We're going to do a um, this cookbook like I talked about. We're working with large partners like the Independent Restaurant Coalition, who, of course, got the restaurant relief bill passed, $58 billion during COVID. But we need more access to fish and seafood in our small restaurants. So putting blue dots on the menus. So when you sit down, you know which ones are responsibly sourced and what the background is on those. So we've got different buckets in our impact campaign, which was created before the docuseries. So talking to studios about scripted and unscripted television or programming so that you see fish tacos instead of pizza. So there's the inherent things, right? And then there's the the obvious things. So it's so it's getting these things put into into common media, first thing. The second is obviously we want K through 12 education and community toolkits and for college and universities to understand. So people on the ground that will be able to screen this series, that will be able to have toolkits in schools so that when the state of Maine does a seaweed program to put it into school lunches, kids are learning about it, learning about farmers. So we actually have an impact agency that's helping us called Picture Motion big Hollywood productions get impact agencies. And we've built out, it's on fedbyblue.org, all of the work we're going to be funding for and doing over the next five years. So it's not metrics about how many people watched. This is working with Kroger to do a blue food section of the store and being able to find it at a a reasonable price so that you can start integrating these foods in your diet. What I tell people is, can you change the world by the way you snack? Can you rebuild abundant oceans? Can you create that by the way you snack? You can. Because if we talk to people about don't eat a potato chip, eat a kelp chip, which 12 Tides, some of the companies that we're going to feature today, it's like eating a potato chip. Just making that choice means that we can support more small kelp farmers across the world, most of whom are women. And we can change it even just some small way. That's the idea. Is this, it's not always about the big things. It's the small things. And if you start to realize that these food systems on water are important, you can activate it in a way where you feel like you can make a difference. So if there is one thing that you could say to somebody who is not used to eating a marine-based diet, 
who's maybe a little adverse to it or is not uh, familiar with the benefits or the variety. What or would the you taste. Say? Or the taste, yes. What would you say? You know, it's just like any other things. There are sort of these gateway, you know, if you're a wine drinker and you're not a red wine lover, you try Pinot Noir, right? Right. That there are these steps you can take. Yeah. And the good news is in our food system now, there are delicious kind of gateway things that you can find, like a a kelp burger. There's a group here today that's going to serve a kelp slider that tastes, it's delicious. So you have to, first and foremost, I think the most important thing is just to look for these foods. We tend to put in the basket the same things week over week. I've got a list. It's it habitual. It's like a signed right. contract. I don't veer from getting bananas. If I do that, if I break the contract, you're going to sue me. You know, find, be, be a little bit more adventurous. Pick one thing. It sounds simple, but most people don't do it. That could be a little frozen bag of fish filet. Try a cod, the lighter flavored foods. Put them in a way that you like them. Put a little barbecue sauce on them or a little, you know, a teriyaki glaze. The, the, put it in a bowl with rice and beans, you know, the things that you like. Chop it up into chunks. Um, I think that there are ways where usually what I say is it's not that you don't like a food. It's that you don't like how it was prepared. Right. And in my own personal work, I have what's called a C pantry, S E A pantry. And I, and, and I made a list on jenniferbushman.com of all of the things that people could do to start building a C pantry inexpensively. It doesn't have to be the higher end, natural grocer with the center cut filet of salmon at $14.99 a pound. It can be a little tin of fish that's MSC certified that then you put in a pita with lemon juice and yogurt and you, you, you know this. Yes. So I feel like you first have to be thinking about it. And I do really believe that if you understood the environmental and economic impact that you buy the choice you make could make such a significant difference, especially with seaweed now. Because we will farm more seaweed in the United States than potatoes by 2040. And we know what it does for coastal communities. I mean, most lobster fishermen in Maine now, where the lobster fishery is moving and economics on those coastal communities are changing, they're farming seaweed now. And, not, and they're selling it into market for wonderful products. So you're helping support those working waterfronts. You can really make change. Wise words. Jennifer, it was so great talking with you. Really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today and um, look forward to getting the sneak peek into Hope in the Water and the programming today and see you see you soon, I'm sure. That's right. There is a bright blue future ahead. <laughs> so thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thanks for listening to HRN's coverage of South by Southwest 2023. You can listen to all of our coverage on our podcast, HRN on Tour. Find it on heritageradionetwork.org or or wherever you listen to podcasts. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. Since 2009, HRN podcasts have been exploring the wide world of food, beverage, and agriculture. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org.